Hey everyone, and welcome to the Darkcast. I'm your host, Jonathan, and this is DCI number 126. In this episode, Brian and I talk to Emilios Metalidis about his first game, Emerge Cities of the Apocalypse. Emerge is a tactical game that combines elements from various different genres. Uh, it's not only turn-based, but it's also real-time. It combines elements of games like XCOM and Civilization with more real-time defense strategies like a, a tower defense game. It sounds really interesting, and the amazing fact is that Emilio's made the whole thing by himself. Uh, I think you'll agree, the game sounds really cool, hopefully you enjoy our conversation. If you want to find out more information about Emerge, head on over to DarkStation.com. There you can find links and trailers in the show notes to this episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. Now on with the show. Emilios, thank you so much for joining us on the Darkcast. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Glad, glad to have you on the show. Um, now, I, kn- I know it's late for you over there, and so super thankful that uh, you're willing to you know, either stay up really late or wake up really early, uh, depending on, on, on what you're doing. But uh, you are a trooper, uh, so thank you for <laughs> No problem doing whatsoever. That. Okay. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, uh, we are here to talk about your... I assume it's your your first game, or at least first published game, um, but um, your your newest game, if not the first game, uh, Emerge: Cities of the Apocalypse. But before we kind of get into that, let's talk a little bit about the man behind the curtain. Let's talk oh. a little bit about Emilios. So okay. Who are you, and what do you do? Um, well, I am thirty-two years old. I live in Athens, Greece. I uh, have a degree in physics, but my greatest passion uh, has always been programming and making video games. Um, When I was little, I uh, used to uh, make up board games from scratch, and then uh, me and my friends would gather and play them. And uh, I sometimes uh, drew platform levels like, uh, like Super Mario and pieces of paper. And um, my first games were freeware games. They were um, Tetris clones, um, a fishing game, um, an Arkanoid game. And uh, my latest freeware game uh, was uh, released in, uh, I think it was 2010. And, um, well, it was, it was difficult uh, in the 90s where I started programming. It was kind of uh, difficult to find information and knowledge about uh, your games and programming languages. Um, the main means of communication was forums and um, you could post a question and then somebody would reply days later uh, or somebody would say why do you want to do this? Uh, do that. <laughs> and it was kind of difficult to uh, get a proper answer sometimes. But things have evolved, the, the internet has exploded, um, there are many good gaming engines and platforms out there. Um, when I started programming I was using uh, Visual Basic 6 um, and now I'm using uh, Game Maker, it's a great tool for making games. So, so the entire game um, emerges made in, in Game Maker? 
Yes, it actually it uses a rather obsolete version of Game Maker. It uses Game Maker 8, which is not uh, longer actively developed or supported. But back in 2012, where I began development, it it looked like a good idea because okay. uh, Game Maker uh, 8 had the ability of um, executing uh, code on the fly. So uh, if you look at it this way, there is a good thing and a bad thing. The good thing is that it has great modding capabilities. One can just um, uh, copy and paste some files into the game and uh, you can uh, have two, three new enemies, a hundred new items. You don't have to fiddle with the executable. Uh, the bad thing is that it's slow. So I think that Emerge um, really tested the limits of Game Maker 8 in terms of speed and uh, the things that that engine could do. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Now, you mentioned that um, uh, yeah, on the internet, uh, oftentimes you'd ask questions and people would be like, well, why do you want to do that? And I, I regret to inform you that the internet is still exactly like that. <laughs> yeah, well... Uh... Uh, <laughs> I, uh, anytime I, I look for a game that looks like it has should have controller support and it doesn't, obviously there are plenty of games that, that wouldn't make any sense. But uh, when I go and ask for, about that on like Steam forums, it's like, well, why would you want to do that? It's like, well, can, can't you just answer the question, guys? It, I mean, seriously. Yes, yes. <laughs> this, is, um, this is a common plague in the, uh, across the internet. And uh, I think, uh, I don't know if you have heard about a blogger and uh, Seamus Young. Does the name ring a bell? Vaguely. Um, can can you refresh my memory on him? I'm well, uh, Shemus is, uh, has a um, has a website. It's called Twenty Sided Tale, and uh, recently he cooperated with Pyrodactyl to make a game. It's called Good Robot, and he usually he's a critic. He writes at the Escapist. He he has a column. And he had an, this awesome article, um, it was an, called How to Forum, and it had all those things that we discuss now, when you ask a thing and people just deny to, to properly respond, uh, or even post, you know, uh, there are many ways uh, to advise someone, but instead, um, when you ask a question, okay, this question can be wrong, maybe you're not doing it the right way. Maybe there is a more efficient way to do it. But, you know, uh, even a polite answer um, or a partial answer um, is way better than uh, why do you want to do this? This is stupid. Why do you ask for it? So uh, this is uh, what uh, this, <laughs> um, this uh, article of Seamus uh, um, always pops in mind when I discuss those things. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I can totally understand as to why. But uh, what, so, what is um, what's kind of the environment around like Game Maker? I I assume you've kind of gone to their forums and stuff and gotten advice or tips or whatnot on kind of using um, that program to to make the game. Is that a, a more friendly kind of corner of the internet, or you do you kind of experience the same thing of people saying, "Oh no, just don't do it that way. You should do it this way instead." Well, you can't avoid that. Uh, no matter how good or bad your software is, uh, you just 
it's impossible to avoid uh, this kind of questions, answering questions with more questions. Uh, but Game Maker has a large community. They are they tend to be supportive uh, in the end, and um, they have lots of tutorials, extensions. And once you get the ropes, uh, it's it's actually easy to start creating games with it. They have a no, uh, game maker has a novice mode where you can make a game uh, using simple drag and drop commands. I can assure you that uh, Emerge uses none of that. <laughs> um, I actually had to use lots and lots of extensions um, for uh, for shader support or mm. playing OG files. But you know those things exist, and it, it's a good thing that people uh, um, made those things, and they are compatible with Game Maker Eight. Uh, nowadays, uh, they have Game Maker Studio, uh, where you can uh, export games uh, um, for multiple platforms. I haven't uh, gotten my hands around the copy yet, but I really, I really want to do so. My next game will definitely use Game Maker Studio. Cool. Awesome. That's really cool. Uh, would you consider kind of trying to ex or not export, but uh, uh, port uh, merge to any other platforms? It seems pretty keyboard and mouse centric. I don't, yes, I don't know yes. how well that would work. Uh, well, the limitations of the engine uh, make it nearly impossible to do so. Maybe, maybe if I tried really hard, I could do something like a Mac port. Okay. But then again, uh, the game relies so heavily in um, the Windows Dynamic Link libraries that I don't even know if that's possible. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Now, you mentioned that you've been making games for, for quite some time, um, that you've kind of done several different uh, freeware games, and that you also got your degree in physics. So what... Obviously, the, the passion is there to be making games, you know, free games, uh, for, for years now. Uh, but what was, I, I don't know, I guess what was the kind of turning point to go from, you know, this is what I got my degree in to this is what I'm going to do with my life? Um, well, actually, uh, although I have that degree in physics, uh, I didn't, I never managed to find the proper job involving this degree um, you know uh, it, what, it's what, what branch of physics if I may uh, it's uh, the branch focusing focusing on uh, education and teaching physics um, oh okay cool yes yes it, I mean it's interesting um, but I have worked in lots and lots of other different jobs uh, none, none of them had um this degree as a prerequisite and at some point I sat and I, I thought that you know I like making games and if I could make freeware games for the rest of my life that would be awesome and uh, this is the way I wanted to be uh, some years ago but how about I try to combine job with pleasure for once I have worked in supermarkets, I have worked in call centers. Uh, how about I try and make my first you know, uh, commercial venture uh, involving my hobby? That would be really great if it works. That's it. If you have to take a chance on anything, you take a chance on what you love. Because otherwise, I mean, what are you doing? Yes, exactly. 
so so is this kind of that chance you mentioned um you know obviously you've been making the the freeware games ha- has there been any sort of funds coming in from that is there like any sort of uh like donations that people can make on the websites or has that just been purely for the the joy and the, the love of the craft well for for the scope they had some degree of recognition um I uh, I made uh, back in 2006, I think seven maybe, uh, a small adventure game. It was one of those first escape the room games, and I used Visual Basic to to create it. So I had uh, some emails from people um, either asking for the solution or saying that you know your game is good. I had a good time with it, and uh, it uh, it gladdened me a lot uh, back then. And um, when I made my latest freeware game, it was called Metal Venture, and um, people were posting in indie database uh, that you know what, if this game cost ten dollars and it was um, commercial, I I would buy it, and I would believe that it is commercial. So around that time, I thought that what if I can actually make a commercial game and people buy it. Sure, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good compliment right there. That's... Yes, yes, it, it was unexpected, but I received <laughs> it nonetheless. Awesome, so so Emerge, I assume, is kind of that um, that venture, that, that step into doing this uh, for real, for, for lack of a better term. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, cool. I was, um, I remember it was... Um, in the end of uh, 2012, where I was sitting and I was playing a, a little defense flash game. It was called the Lona Shooter. Uh, it was a defense version of um, a rather obscure roguelike, and I kind of enjoyed it because um, there were. Um, <laughs> it had really strange enemies. It had the uh, chicken and sheep attacking your castle. It was kind of <laughs> yeah, it was kind of surreal, but. Um, it was fun uh, because you got weapons and uh, you could target uh, weak spots in your enemies and this somehow begat the idea um, it started brewing inside me um, what if I make a defense game like this but also add add some a map, an overworld map uh, some strategy elements so I started developing it and it kind of grew and grew and um, it became Emerge awesome what was your original in, or envisioning for the uh, the game when you you mentioned that you were playing the defense game, and so obviously that was kind of a core idea. But there's all these other kind of RPG elements and strategy elements that are kind of packed around that central defense idea. What? How did you see the game ending up when you first started making the game? Uh, well. Um... I really liked the Civilization series. I liked the exploration, the pacing of the game, the fact that it was a marathon, not a sprint. And um, so um, I soon started planning. Um, initially, I didn't have an idea about the setting. Uh, what will the setting be? Will it be a fantasy setting? Will it be a sci-fi setting? Um, well, naturally, when one considers those things, um, eventually a destroyed world <laughs> with zombies uh, comes easily in mind. And so I, um, I, I went for it. 
Uh, I like, uh, I really, really like uh, post-apocalypse settings. Uh, one of my favorite games of all time was uh, the Fallout series. And it was actually pretty easy call um, after that point. I started making assets and um, um, creating the graphics uh, and the menus. And it was really... Um, this uh, torrent of ideas popping up in my head. Um, there were there are many many separate mechanics uh, at work in the emerge, and uh, they were kind of added layer by layer. Um, initially, for example, uh, you found survivors in the game, but um, if you, if the survivor pool if the survivor uh, pool was full, um, you kind of lost any extra survivors that you found. So I I went back to this mechanic and I said, why lose them? This seems unfair. Um, why not being able to keep them and use them uh, later at a later point? So um, it was four years, uh, it, more than four years since I started developing Emerge. Uh, but I, I had the main job at that time. Uh, but I had to constantly revisit, revisit and um, reconsider stuff and uh, and polish things. And it was it was really um, I can say it was fun for me. So well, especially with something this size, and I mean you're you're kind of on this on uh, by yourself. How? How'd you kind of keep yourself going with it? What kind of, what'd you use to, to kind of keep pushing along? Because there had to have been a point where, you know, you kind of looked at everything and the, and the scope of the way things were growing and like, hey, you know, I'm kind of carrying all of this. Um, well, the good thing about developing a game solo is that you have complete control over your project. And, um, and if you don't take long breaks, you kind of remember all the stuff, the little things. Um, the code is yours. You have written it. You have no problem uh, dis deciphering it. The bad thing is the exact same thing. Um, everything passes from your hands. Um, at some point, um, I was kind of... No, no, it was not just one point. Uh, there were several points where uh, I was kind of lost in my own project um, because um, I kept adding stuff but I had little time testing them hmm. um, things uh, got better uh, when I um, released small uh, alpha versions of the game uh, in, in some forums or I had uh, friends of mine uh, play some versions and um, you know the the, po the feedback was uh, positive. Um, some changes were proposed, uh, balancing changes, um, and other stuff. So it's essential. At some point, after there is a threshold in development, where you have to um, release what you have done, uh, it, 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 it's crucial that you do that uh, if you are alone. And you're not some sort of studio. Um, you don't have any QA. You don't have any dedicated testers. Um, so uh, at some point, um, other people have to judge it 
even if it's uh, too early. Sure, sure. And what what points in the game making process did you start doing that? Because you you mentioned that you started in 2012, so you know it's, mm-hmm. it's been four years. Was it you know after kind of you had a kind of a working prototype? Was it kind of with each element that you you introduced that it's like hey, how does this work? Like how how did you go about getting those playtesters and uh, how often and what all were they testing? Well, it was, um, I think it was my first, let's say public, but uh, limited release was uh, around the beginnings of uh, 2013. It was uh, a pre pre alpha version. Um, the, the basic mechanics were there. Obviously, not all content was there. Um, there was a couple of classes, a couple of enemies. Um, but I think that the core mechanics at that point uh, were firmly established. Um, well, um, obviously, the game was in a very unpolished state. Uh, there was um, the, <laughs> the graphical uh, user interface uh, was just a soup of numbers and um, uh, and buttons. <laughs> But yeah, well, um, people could judge uh, the core mechanics of the game, and they could, you know, pass a valid opinion about, you know, what you do is good, what you do is bad, and feedback was positive. I think that people find found potential for the game even at this uh, early point, because um, I haven't played all games out there, but I think that um, Emerge kind of blends. Uh, turn-based strategy and real-time defense in a sort of unique way. Um, many people have uh, drawn comparisons to Emerge and um, the Rebuild series. It's a series of Flash games uh, where um, you have some survivors and they face a zombie apocalypse. Um, I have played uh, uh, Rebuild 1 and 2. It was a long time ago. Um, I honestly don't remember uh, exactly how those games look like uh, or exactly what you did. Although I do remember that uh, Rebuild 2 had an awesome soundtrack. I think it was uh, from the uh, Talking Book record by Jared Blum and Bill Gold. Uh, really, really awesome music. Um, and... Um, the general <clears throat> consensus about um, comparing Emerge to Rebuild is that Emerge has um, uh, a lot more going on. Uh, it has more mechanics and more depth to it. Um, so um, I really think that I, I stick to my original argument that um, I haven't seen any other game blending those two uh, separate genres. Uh, turn-based strategy and real-time defense in such a way. Sure, sure. Yeah, and um, I, I agree with that. I, I too, haven't played all games, uh, but it, it seems pretty unique to me as well. Uh, I guess now would be a good time for anybody that, that has no idea what we're talking about, if you could kind of give us the kind of rundown of what Emerge is to um, you know, give people an idea of what they could be playing. Sure. Um... Well, uh, Emerge uh, Cities of the Apocalypse uh, is, as I said, um, a strategy and defense hybrid game. 
uh, in this game uh, players uh, get to choose a character class and they explore post-apocalyptic uh, urban sprawls uh, they're trying to rebuild civilization while at the same time fending off um, against zombies and mutated creatures um, you get to there, there's a technology tree you get to research technologies uh, there's a it's a, a rather rich tree tech tree uh, with branches focusing on uh, various aspects of uh, the gameplay um, you also get to research and construct uh, various buildings and automated defenses um, defenses can uh, soften up or completely eradicate uh, undead invaders um, so the game the game map is um, a city uh, divided in sectors uh, players begin in the middle of the city, um, a sector named uh, the Stronghold, and in each turn they perform actions by spending action points. Um, for example, you can uh, spend action points to scout nearby sectors or capture them, or maintain your weapons to deal extra damage for one turn, or uh, view potential recruits, or patch up holes in your defenses. Um, there are lots and lots of actions and lots and lots of stuff to do in the turn-based part of the game and uh, those available things to do depend um, not only on your research technologies but your character classes as well um, uh, for the example classes, you can are they similar to hmm? like um, to like the uh, to like the leaders in civilization or are you using kind of another mechanic for for uh, like kind of a class of leader well, you cannot pick up Gandhi. I can tell you that. Uh, <laughs> but, that's uh, true. You really can't beat the the zombie apocalypse with a bootstrap. Well, that's, but you that's could with weird. nukes. That's actually yes. That's actually <laughs> weird that you say it because in the latest Civilization game that Gandhi appeared, uh, the developers uh, kind of trolled gamers and they left uh, a variable um, according to which Gandhi would eventually become uh, a really aggressive player and would. Uh, uh, nuke the crap <laughs> out of players. It was actually kind of funny um, for Gandhi to see, to see him building bombs in civilization. But uh, well, um, the archetypes, the character classes are, for example, the starting classes are the engineer, uh, the scientist, and the bounty hunter. And uh, there are three main stats in the game. Uh, it's production, economy, and research. And each one of those classes uh, kind of focuses um, in uh, in their respective uh, you know stat uh, but of course there are other uh, character classes to be found and unlocked throughout the game um, uh, players can um, one of the actions that players can make uh, is to take a walk explore so to speak uh, to spend a couple of action points and then trigger some random outcome uh, it can be positive or it can be negative it can be I don't know uh, finding a really cool weapon mode or getting your skull cracked and losing some experience um, oh, you so there, lose experience. there are lots yes it's it's not a it's not a, a large amount uh, but some events can can be negative Obviously, the positive events far outweigh the negative ones, so players do have motive to explore and uh, trigger those random events. And there are even um, some special random events which are, are rare. They occur, um, I don't know, maybe once every 30 turns. 
uh, where you um, you are presented with a problem or a situation, and uh, you are called to make a decision. Um, for example, um, I don't know. Uh, uh, a mad scientist uh, walks towards you and they say that they have built some sort of weather control device um, and they, without uh, having your permission they have uh, activated it. So what do you do? Uh, do you uh, shoot? Do you shut down the, the device by destroying it or you wait for it to finish? So each, um, each decision has a different outcome. Uh, it's not a, it's not a game changing outcome, but it can it can have some interesting results. Uh, it can have a risk versus reward themes, or maybe uh, or even unlocking permanently um, some bonus or some character class for future playthroughs. Um, so uh, along the way, you players find survivors uh, who are willing to join your cause. Um, there is a leveling up system for you and them, and each class obviously has its own abilities and skills. Uh, for example, uh, engineers are um, uh, are really are really good in defense. Your automated defenses perform really well when you have an engineer, and uh, they can also patch up holes in your barricade when you are attacked by zombies uh, quicker. Um, scientists can breeze through the tech tree like they. Uh, like they rehearsed the whole thing before you clicked new game. Uh, a bounty hunter can and and will dominate the battlefield, uh, and they can also bring along some extra money uh, by doing that. Um, there are lots and lots of items to find and use. Uh, there are web weapons and weapon mods. Um, there are merchants to visit, and of course. Last but not least, uh, there's our undead friends. <laughs> um, I really, I kind of like uh, how zombies turn out to to be in emerge. Um, you see, in in, in some media works uh, set in a zombie apocalypse, um, they tend to focus. A, Excessively on the bad aspects of human behavior, um, an overplayed trope, if you want my opinion. Uh, for example, in the Walking Dead series, you watch it. I, I haven't in a while, but uh, I have. So yeah, that's yes. that's yeah, all about yes. how people I, I, screw people over. Yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> that, that's uh, the enemy. The enemy is Homo sapiens in, in this series. Okay, absolutely. Um, I, I'm I'm not trying to bash the series. Okay, it, it, it's a matter of personal tastes. But at some point, after crossing some threshold, um, the zombies um, kind of become some sort of a background threat. Mm -hmm. And um, totally. other, I mean, that's it, that's mostly in almost all like zombie-related fiction because eventually we get to a point where we can either hold them at bay or feel some sort of safety and security, and then we have to deal with ourselves and how we become within that, that kind of environment. Yes, yes. Well, obviously, human drama is more, uh, you know, uh, popular. Um, and other depictions of zombies, uh, they tend to be, uh, you know, games, movies, whatever. Uh, they tend to be just mindless, I don't know, gore fests, uh, full of guts flying everywhere. Um, sure. I didn't yeah. want to try this. I didn't want to, to go uh, either way. Um, so in Emerge, zombies are a very terrible threat. Uh, they are numerous, they are frightening, um, at no point in the game will players feel safe. 
Um, the token uh, slow shuffling zombie is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, players will have to sooner or later uh, they will have to deal with um, acid spitting zombies, uh, thickly armored uh, soldier zombies, uh, zombies which explode, uh, gas bloated zombies who expel fumes and mess up your weapon accuracy and your visibility. You get that picture. It can get really ugly as you progress in the game. Um, and finally, there's a campaign with 17 areas. Each area has missions. Um, there are about... Um, I think that there are over 40 missions total. 44, in my film, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, there are tons of things to unlock. Um, as you play... Uh, set missions um, and you succeed uh, in completing them. You can unlock new character classes, you can unlock uh, bonuses and, and challenge modes, uh, a, a skirmish game mode, uh, unique items, um, and last but not least, uh, players get to transfer some items to a stash for future use. Uh, they can use them in future missions. And, and this can actually, the game is kind of you know, challenging, but this uh, sense, th this progression that players have uh, by unlocking stuff, by unlocking bonuses to use, by unlocking, by keeping items, um, they can gradually have a better chance out there in the apocalypse. Nice. Now, you mentioned the uh, the missions. Are those are those kind of standalone, or are those tied together in kind of a, a story mode? What how, how well, does that um, work? the campaign is actually um, picture the the world map, and there are various areas that you have to restore. Um, apparently, after the apocalypse, uh, large cities. Um, the the game is set in the in the near future, so large cities have stopped existing. There is no infra infrastructure. There is nothing. Um, and in that campaign, players get to play missions uh, and uh, liberate, you know, the, the entire Earth, shall I say, or key points, key places uh, from the undead threat. About the story now, um, well, Emerge doesn't have a main plot uh, in the traditional sense. There are no main characters or, or, or game mascots. It's you, the player who becomes a main character. Um, you will not find dialogue uh, panels during missions with uh, character portraits exchanging, uh, you know, dialogue lines or story exposition or whatever. I kind of felt from the beginning that this type of uh, narration doesn't quite suit every game. Um, imagine playing Civilization uh, and um, during your gameplay, there are the portrait of Gandhi and uh, Catherine the Great of Russia exchanging heated lines and witty retorts. Uh, uh, Catherine saying to Gandhi, hey, Gandhi, you're bold and ugly and I hate you. And Gandhi saying, I will bomb you. Um, but I don't think <laughs> this is why I don't think this is why players uh, are interested in civilization. Um, I think that if this, this, those kind of expository dialogues happen in civilizations, players would, would, would go would think that uh, you know just just stop it already. Just 
I, I keep clicking next for those faces to disappear because I want my <laughs> scout to find the next uh, ancient ruins and I'm about to uh, research uh, gunpowder and uh, I'm about to build a gold mine there. So, um, the game, let's, let's go back to Emerge. Um, the game is turn-based uh, outside of combat, so players can play a couple of rounds when having some sort of break maybe, then leave the game and come back again. Um, of course, they can sit for hours and play, uh, but I wanted players to be, you know, um, able to to be immediately immersed in exploration and progression and dealing with threats and not being uh, distracted by talking heads. Uh, of course, that's not saying that Merge doesn't have a story or or a background. Um, various. Uh, bits of info and uh, various world-building elements uh, can be found in enemy descriptions or class descriptions and even random events. Um, for example, I, I mentioned the zombie soldier uh, earlier. Uh, well, as the name implies, it's a walking corpse uh, clad in military-grade armor. Uh, it's hard to damage and immune to weak spot hits and staggering. Um, in the soldiers info panel it says that when the zombie apocalypse happened uh, the military threw itself uh, in the ensuing chaos but almost everyone um, was wiped out hence the zombie soldiers um, in a similar fashion um, descriptions of some mutated zombies uh, imply that um, there were many Incidents uh, since the apocalypse involving radiation and the necrotic tissue is uh, rather susceptible to mutations from radiation because uh, when uh, when the zombie apocalypse happened, um, power plants uh, remained unsupervised and accidents happened. So um, there are stories inside the game but they are blended into the various gameplay elements instead of you know being thrown in the face of players in the form of uh expository dialogue there's lots there's lots and lots of text in the game especially due to the large amount of random events so it's it's actually pretty easy for someone to form an image you know a mental image of what the post apocalyptic world of the game looks like Sweet. Is oh, there please. a uh, <laughs> is there is there like a kind of a, a fail state or an end game? To I mean, obviously the fail state is you get eaten by zombies, but is there is there an end where like you come out on top? Because in most case, most of the at least the, the the newer zombie fictions, there's no real cure for it. You just kind of have to find a way to deal and get along. Um, so is is there is there a positive like hey we've dealt? Uh, well, actually, I really uh, this is what I was trying to uh, differentiate from um, those usual depictions where everything is bleak and uh, there's no hope and there's no cure and uh, people continue living uh, as scavengers shooting each other in the face. Um, actually, in Emerge, there is a there is okay the world is destroyed, uh, but there is a positive vibe uh, because it shows that you uh, and other people get along to face the undead threat and eventually yes there is there is a win state 
uh, the win state is uh, conquering all of the areas of the campaign and you get rewarded with a you know with with a with screen for this um, victory is a strong theme in emerge uh, unfortunately so is, so is defeat uh, because the game is quite challenging um, there is no there's not you know a total game over um, state you can either you can lose a campaign you can lose sorry you can lose a mission uh, or uh, but you can try it again and again and again until you uh, persevere and uh, soon enough um, hopefully humanity will you know thrive again I kind of like the I kind of like the version where there's this is like the you know if, if you will like the non asshole human race like hey we've got a problem we're going to get together we'll solve it and you know we're just going to kind of do our thing get rid of these guys and then kind of go back you know kind of get things back to as close as, as where we were before all this hot mess yes, started or, or even better or even better um, yeah, you know you're actually um, Brian you're um, that's I think that this theme um, of people um, appealing to their better nature and uh, achieving victory through impossible odds uh, I think that these kind of themes need to be advertised more in the world we live in um, there's war there's famine those things have not uh, been extinguished and uh, do we really need yet another uh, medium portraying how assholes people can be I don't I don't believe this. Oh, totally, and, and I think you're like we only like the like that kind of stuff we only ever see in like, if you will, like alien sci-fi where we're being invaded and we need to band together because this is the last stand. And for some reason, you never get that from like the opposite side. I guess because maybe the end doesn't come as quickly, and so we're kind of left to 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 deal with you know like the the parts of us that maybe like just don't care or or maybe kind of welcome that in so it, it's a real it's real neat to kind of see this from the alternate kind of like a, almost a sci-fi perspective of no 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 we can do this if we just work together we will be fine um here's how we're going to do it and you know you just kind of have you, you kind of lay it out and and kind of you know take your city back if you will well um when the first uh, humans formed societies um do you want me to get even way more, you know, in the past? When they, I don't know, got off the trees or whatever they did, uh, they had yeah, to so you, face... got, you got physics, man. We got protons, neutrons, electrons. They're working together. No, no, They're not that back. Stuff. Not that back. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when those first humans uh, tried to band together, they faced really impossible odds. Uh, making a zombie apocalypse uh, maybe looked a bit softcore, if you want my opinion. They had to face natural disasters, uh, firestorms, uh, uh, beasts. Um, there were actually thousands of life forms trying to eat the first humans, I imagine. I wasn't there. I think that's what happened. So, what did those first people do? Did they, I don't know, spear each other in the head? Maybe, but as a whole, uh, they banded together and tried to build something better. So I think that this depiction uh, of humans in a zombie apocalypse, where they just uh, get reduced into mindless beasts, uh, while at the same time have even more, more means 
than our ancestors to uh, you know to win again I think this this kind of portrayal uh, has somewhat uh, worn its welcome maybe just an opinion Sure. Oh no, absolutely. Because like, you know, especially having you know, having watched the last season of The Walking Dead, um, having I've, I've actually completed like the the Telltale's Walking Dead Michonne game that was just out. Like the the picture that that and most um, kind of zombie fiction paints is is you know a very bleak one. So to see kind of a a positive side of this, like you said, like you know, in the beginning, yeah, sure, I'm sure a couple people chuck spears at other people's heads. But eventually, those folks were weeded out, and the ones that kind of came together, like, actually made something because we're here and we, we made something, and we're you know kind of participating. So I, yes. I, I definitely think there's there's more of us than there are of them, and and I I think that that counts even when kind of the them is dead and it's outside of our gates. Well, yes. Um... Obviously, um, some games uh, and series and comic books uh, will portray it this way. Some games will uh, choose a different way to portray it. Uh, I stopped, actually, I stopped watching The Walking Dead uh, around season four, I think. Uh, when they... You probably did the uh, right thing. Do, do we get spoiler alert here? <laughs> um, we can, that's fine. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Go for anyway, it. Anyway, you know, um, I... Uh, I realized that uh, for you know many seasons, uh, I was watching a series uh, which excessively used the idiot ball trope. Uh, there was no <laughs> co- coherence. Yeah, there was no coherence because they. I think they were firing their staff all the time, and they were huh. hiring new writers. So the, the new guys didn't know where to pick up the story. Um, so um, there was. You had uh, people shooting other people, which is, I think, okay, this is going to happen, inevitably. Uh, you had then children shooting other people in the belly. Uh, you had, uh, I don't know, children shooting other children. And you had cannibals. And at some point I sat and wondered, uh, dude, where are the zombies? Seriously. I mean, the, these kind of things could just as easily happen maybe in a third world country where there are primitive clans fighting for supremacy you don't mm-hmm. you don't have to have zombies for these kinds of things to you know to portray how bad people can be so yes inevitably some series will explore the darker nature of humans uh, but you know it's a zombie series where are the zombies strange yeah i i think some of it um really just kind of comes from uh, not necessarily a backlash, but just kind of a um, I'm not even sure what what word I'm looking for, but just uh, an opposition to a lot of the more cheery style things. I mean, you, you go back into like the, I guess, prior to the 80s and a lot of science fiction stuff was much happier. And even thinking back to like uh, comic books and other um, other media where I don't know things just tried to look at the good in people more. I, I think people kind of got tired of that, and so they started kind of going down this darker path. And I think we've been going down that path for a while now of of just looking at 
um, relatively normal people in these extreme circumstances because I, I think in some ways, like when you when you have two people arguing in a zombie show, it I don't know maybe the viewers' defenses can be down and they're not thinking about the fact that they're really just watching a human drama piece. They think they're watching a show about zombies, and so maybe the hope is that that kind of argument or that uh, personal darkness will get to them or you know kind of. Um, you know, touch them in a in a way, um, and but I think that's been going on for a long time now, and so I, I think I think media kind of moves and and swings. Like I, I feel like I don't know, just from seeing the backlash of like the the Batman and Superman movie, like I feel like a lot of people are ready for things that aren't quite so dark. If that makes any sense of what I yes, absolutely yes. At some point, at some point, people will get bored of the dark and grimy themes. Um, I I kind of like the dark and grimy things. As I as I said, um, my favorite one of my favorite games is uh, the Fallout series, which is the very definition of dark and grimy. Um, but I don't like things that are you know grimy for grime's it is, sake. But Fallout also had a Fallout also had a very like sense of humor to it. That it was, yes. it was dark and grimy because the world, you know, had literally blown up. But there was, like, the people who had survived were just dark. You know, like, there were mean people that were out there. But a lot of them were just trying to get by. And, and it, it created this kind of, like, uh, real, like, other almost otherworldly realness to it. Because you had, you know, your super mutants. You had your ghouls. And then you had these places where they all just kind of, you know, worked together. Uh, not necessarily for a common goal, but just to not kill each other and just be like, hey, this is where we are. We're, you know, 200 some odd years after the bomb drops. Ain't nothing changing this. We just got to, you yes. know, you, you, you got to move on. Well, and most importantly of all, uh, the super mutants in Fallout constituted a real threat. There weren't some sort of, uh, you know, background noise uh, uh, and, uh, you know, humans uh, bickering in the forefront. Um, you had you had uh, you had a threat to face, um, and I think that that's that's essential uh, in order to to create uh, a medium, uh, be it a game or a film or a comic book, uh, to have a sense of uh, tension in these worlds when um, your prime source of tension takes a backseat. I think that that's kind of problematic in the long run, maybe. I think it can be. Um, I, I think it's also kind of interesting because I, I don't know. Even looking back to like uh, Joss Whedon's Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like as much as that show was about vampires and you know supernatural stuff, it was also about teenagers dealing with life. And uh, I think I think there's a way to balance it and kind of do it well. Um, and obviously, not everything reaches that balance, but. Uh, well, obviously, it's a yeah. matter of uh, execution. Obviously, sure. Um, sure. it's a matter of uh, coherence of narrative. Um, I mean, um, the last Mad Max film, in my opinion, was awesome. Oh, okay, yeah. and yes. what uh, the Mad Max world is a world where everybody's mad, uh, including Max. Uh, and hence <laughs> the, the title. But it was so well directed and executed. That it didn't actually bother you. Yeah. You kind of liked it. 
Sure. You liked it, but you, you didn't want to live there. <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> but uh, so so on the the pendulum of of all that kind of stuff, it, it sounds like emerge is is going for more of just kind of like world building uh, stories, not kind of. Um, ingrained narrative like the the story that you experience is, is your story of playing the game not a, a pre-written um, plot but it, it yes. seems like uh, kind of interwoven into that is an overall kind of hopefulness for the apocalypse uh, which is interesting because generally with the apocalypse um, there, there's no hope. Like it's, it's the, it's called the end of the world for a reason because the world has ended and now we're in, you know, the aftermath of it. Uh, but uh, I don't know, just the the idea of the, the world possibly getting better if you know, getting better than it is right now in the apocalypse, if not better than it was before the apocalypse, is a intriguing idea. Precisely. Yes. So as as far as uh, you mentioned, kind of you know, you're bringing on characters into your party, and uh, you're you know each one of them has a different class, and so they kind of have different um, attributes and skill sets that add to your arsenal. Is there is there permadeath in the game? So if one of your squad mates or um, recruits dies, are, are they dead? Is there a way to resurrect them? If you die, is it game over? Does somebody else take the place as a leader? How does how does death kind of work uh, well, in this the, the um, player-controlled uh, leader uh, doesn't die, but your squad mates uh, can die. Uh, when a combat is lost, uh, there is a chance that uh, one or more of your members uh, won't survive um, the undead invasion. Um, and as the game progresses, it gets harder to find new recruits uh, so uh, players should not take uh, defeat with a light heart because um, it can get harder after a point. Um, you can also lose uh, squad mates uh, if you risk sending them in some random events. But um, you know, um, a player uh, who has become experienced uh, in the gameplay and the mechanics. Uh, won't actually have a problem. Uh, um, I would like to add here that one of the core elements of the campaign is that each area has its own uh, limitations and um, for example you have areas where there are a specific, a specific type of zombie uh, is in greater numbers than usual or you can have an area where there are no survivors and you can only find recruits and recruits cost money and they begin from level one so um, there are more challenges uh, than um, losing a party member in the game okay like it, what, what else uh, what other kind of challenges are you facing besides um, zombies how how can I guess how can the apocalypse affect your society that you're you're building well you get to interact with uh, various people um, 
there are many events where you meet them and uh, they can be for example in some missions uh, the description says that um, a local warlord is controlling the area you're trying to liberate and uh, they you make a deal with them uh, and uh, this translates in the mission objective to gather some resources maybe uh, but in Emerge the main enemy uh, is always uh, the zombies uh, you don't um, actually you're not at war open war with uh, another faction which it would be Admittedly, it would be a cool idea to explore, maybe as an expansion pack, to add an, uh, an opposing faction that expands in the very same map as you do. But um, I guess I will have to wait and see how well the game does before moving on to such uh, an expansion. Sure. So so there's not a, um, a civilization type thing if there are other people that are uh, taking up resources in the... Uh in the world. You're, you're not going to come up against Japan trying to survive the, the apocalypse. No, no, no. no. Oh, uh, it's just you and your squad mates and other people. Uh, they're implied. Uh, for example, when you, when you do research projects, uh, there are bound to be some uh, researchers. Um, but uh, there, are no, uh, there are no quarrels with other factions trying to expand uh, as you do. You are um, how can I say it? Uh, you're the best of the best. Uh, the best hope that humanity has in each and every mission uh, in order to restore civilization to its former glory. Sweet. So if you can't die, what's the fail state of all this? How do you, how do you lose? The fail state is losing all your sectors in a mission. Uh, you begin with your stronghold and um, uh, there are various map sizes. Uh, you begin with small maps. Uh, there are uh, small maps contain 49 sectors. It's a 7x7 seven seven map. Uh, and then you get uh, medium maps and uh, large maps. And um, at the end of each turn, uh, the undead armies move to adjacent blocks, adjacent sectors, and when they um, move into a block you own, uh, then uh, combat begins. Uh, so um, obviously so, you can so lose. Until, so until zombies attack you, that's that's when the uh, turn-based portion of the game is going. And once the zombies attack you. <laughs> as you defend that's the the real time defense portion of yes it. yes obviously you can you can if you if you try to capture a sector uh which is occupied by zombies mm. uh combat begins as well um but I the main source of losing is you know losing a combat uh when zombies invade you you can lose sectors and uh when you lose everything it's game over for you you have to start over okay makes sense How long do you envision a typical game, uh, a, a kind of a typical game going? Like, how many turns do you think somebody would need if, if all they were doing was just focusing on their objectives? How long do you think it would take? Well, uh, a small map uh, could take uh, an hour or so to complete. Um, this translates roughly to, I don't know, maybe 
40, 50 turns, uh, but larger maps can really, you know, go on and on. And um, in order to beat a large map, uh, players will have to play maybe two, three hours because there are lots of sectors to capture and uh, quite many battles to be fought. And there's actually um, good variety in battles because there are many zombie types and each time player progresses uh, um, more zombie more zombie types uh, become unlocked uh, so it's not easy for players to get bored because um, each new area, each new mission uh, will have a new zombie type I think there are about um, 16 different zombies and two unique boss-like zombies if you will um, so things become, you know, nastier as players progress because more and more dangerous and aggressive uh, zombie forms appear um, and as a game, you know, picks up and um, uh, larger maps are introduced uh, you get really uh, <laughs> horrible mutated beasts coming after you ready to wreck your barricades at every opportunity Sweet. Well, not for the people that are having their barricades wrecked, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I can imagine uh, uh, there will be a lot of, uh, you know, raid squids, uh, especially uh, uh, from newer players. But this is a risk I'm willing to take because it's it's kind of difficult to find um, you know the perfect balance between a game that's challenging but rewarding once you get the ropes and a game that's you know a casual click fest click until you win. Mm -hmm. I didn't want Emerge to be one of those games. I wanted them to be. I want the game to be you know punishing but fair and challenging. Sure. So, especially since you are kind of a one man studio, how did you? How did you go about balancing that? Because I imagine the the people that have been testing it since you know 2013, uh, they've kind of grown with the game. They've gotten pretty good at the game, so there may be elements that are actually quite difficult that they don't realize. But there may be people that you know are brand new to the game that make a particular you know part of the game seem more difficult than it really is, just because of how fresh they are to it. So how did you go about figuring out kind of balancing that that difficulty? Uh, well, uh, shortly uh, shortly after uh, the game was greenlit, I brought new testers aboard. Uh, they were people who never played the game before and uh, they started playing it from scratch. They had no idea what they were going to be dealing with. Um, so essentially, um, uh, a really they were, uh, those new testers were a really valuable source of feedback about balance and difficulty. And Well, I have to tell you that on more than one occasion I had to tone down the difficulty a bit either by reducing the number of um, zombies present on the on the map or maybe tweaking the mission objectives to be more you know um, easy to beat 
Um, so I think that the game right now is in a pretty good state uh, as balance, as far as balance goes. Um, obviously, as larger maps are unlocked, um, it, the game becomes more challenging. But then again, players do get more means of progressing uh, by having unlocked bonuses. Um, about bonuses, um, those are um, you unlock them, and each time you begin a mission, you can activate them, and it's some sort of permanent bonus. Uh, for example, your barricade's health can be permanently increased for a mission, or you can begin with extra credits. Um, so, uh, essentially, people get players get to have even more means to counter the ever-increasing threat of uh, uh, the new zombies, the new and more dangerous varieties. Indeed. Well, uh, Brian, do you have uh, any more questions about the game before we uh, jump into the final final round? No, no, no. I think we should go right. Uh, let's do the end game. Uh, as we kind of explained at the beginning, uh, we uh, we like to end with a bit of a questionnaire. Uh, it's more focused on you than the uh, the game itself. And so we'll just go into it. Um, question number one: um, You've been gaming for a while. Uh, who's your favorite video game protagonist? Who's your favorite uh, good guy or antihero? My favorite uh, protagonist. That's kind of a tough question. Good one, nonetheless, but tough um, because I've played quite some, quite you know, many games. Um, I would say that. Um, my favorite protagonist uh, would have to be Guybrush Threepwood from the Monkey Island series. Uh, <laughs> I really like the way <laughs> the way he responds to danger around him, and uh, I really like the witty and sarcastic uh, responses um, that uh, he delivers throughout uh, all of the Monkey Island games. Um, well. Um, I don't know if you expected something more heroic or something more, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, conforming to the standards of a hero uh, that's here to no. change the shape of Not the world. But, no, that's, um, that's, that's, for me, that's exactly why for me, I put it as, as a protagonist, because I, you know, I want to hear what, who you like to play as, and, and Guybrush is certainly a, certainly a welcome addition. Okay, then. A flip in the coin. Um, so, question number two: Who's your favorite antagonist? Who's your favorite bad guy? Uh, my favorite antagonist of all times has to be the master from the first Fallout game. Um, the master was a mutated mess. It is a former human uh, who was dipped in a vat of radioactive goo and. Um, infected with uh, a strain of a mutagen virus and he set off with a plan to make every human being on the earth um, a mutant. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty cliche as far as uh, bad guy plans go, but it's, it's good um, old especially for evil. the time. Yes, yes, but I think that the execution, especially at the time Fallout 1 was out, um, the presentation, the way that the master spoke with uh, various uh, synthesized voices at once, 
as long uh, along with uh, his you know hideous appearance in the game um, it really was you know uh, it stayed with me for years and when I go back and uh, think about you know what's the coolest villain uh, I think that the master um, comes back to mind immediately even though I have played many more games ever since I think that this is a number one for me that absolutely works. We've actually never had somebody uh, from Fallout show up on the list, so that's that is an absolutely welcome addition. Uh, question number three: um, Is there uh, any kind of trend in video games today that you think is uh, needs to grow? Uh, something that's small, maybe that's not getting being done much, that you'd like to see uh, kind of proliferate and expand out? Uh, well. Uh, in the past few years I have been enjoying smaller indie games uh, where players explore and uh, much like the FDL game uh, I really enjoyed it and I really want to see more um, challenging uh, games uh, where you know uh, the game doesn't hold your hand and this doesn't only apply to small indie games um, I think that the Souls series uh, I'm a huge Dark Souls fan um, I think that the Souls series uh, kind of paved the way uh, maybe for us to see more mainstream titles uh, have this sort of punishing difficulty but I really like and I want to see more games where it's not that the, the hero becomes better, but the player becomes better. Um, I, really, I really wish there were more games like these uh, out there. And I'm pretty sure that there are going to be some great titles in the future uh, where they're punishing but fair. And as players learn about the mechanics, um, dying becomes you know, some sort of means of becoming better. In, instead of being, you know, an annoying game over screen where you have to just load the game and nothing else happens. Sure, absolutely. That's, and I imagine, you know, especially with, uh, you know, with the Souls games and as well as they do, that, that there will be more of those, but I think it's a very, it's a hard um, concept to, to make work because you have to, you know, you got you got to work at it. You have to constantly, you got you to gotta be willing to push uh, but also kind of know when to, to pull back just enough so that people can succeed and it's not just outright unfair. Uh, question number four. Um, is there any, uh, kind of also flipping the coin, uh, is there any uh, trope um, or, or something you that's that's kind of all over the place today that you'd like to see kind of go away in video games? Something that you don't, you don't we don't need to play again for the moment. Uh, well, I... I don't like uh, ultra-violent games uh, where, you know, you're violent for violence sake. Um, I think that this has to, you know, be toned down a bit. Uh, I was never a fan of games where you rush into rooms, guns ablaze, and, you know, start to shoot other people in the face for an apparent reason other than, you know, portraying acts of violence. Um, I don't believe that the depiction of violence is a bad thing in itself. 
um, but I really, I'm really not attracted those years, the last years, from ultraviolent games. Um, hopefully, um, there will be more to future games than just shooting uh, people. Um, so, uh, and I think, I don't know, uh, I, I haven't measured it in some way, I, I haven't read any statistic, but I think more and more games kind of uh, disregard this type of entertainment and um, more uh, ways of having fun um, are slowly being introduced. Um, for example, um, uh, they have uh, there are uh, roguelike games um, combined with a rhythm game with music, where music is uh, the dominant element, like Crypt of the Necrodancer. Um, and I really like to to see um, standard uh, tropes, standard standard gaming genres um, uh, being injected with um, new elements that shift the focus. Uh, to other themes, so maybe uh, ultraviolent games uh, could be injected with such uh, themes to, you know, just not be um, an endless slugfest uh, full of dead bodies around. Absolutely, that's a that's a really good point. I like that a lot. Uh, next question: um, So you went to school to be a physics teacher. You've been making games all your life. Is there any other profession that, given no restrictions, you'd love the chance to try? Well, as a matter of fact, I think uh, probably not. Um, if I had the, the chance and the resources, maybe, you know, I would like to run um, uh, a shop, a small shop, uh, maybe a bookstore or a coffee shop. Uh, a Greek island would be an ideal location <laughs> but um, I haven't really thought about it uh, a lot um, you know life just happens and the opportunities that you get and the options you're presented with are limited um, so instead of dreaming about what, uh, what else I wanted to do I was usually trying to just deal with what I had so, um, you know, making games is still number one for me. <laughs> that that awesome. is a very fair assessment. <laughs> uh, next question. If you had the chance to go back and play a game for the first time, what game would it be? Let me see. You know, a game that I have played before, is that what you mean? Yeah, something that you that you played before, you really you know either you really enjoyed or you just want to see again. But something that that if you could go back to the first you know and just play it again like it was the first time, not remembering anything, would... not knowing anything, getting that sense of exploration all over again. I think it uh, it has to be the very first Dark Souls game. Uh, because difficulty aside and uh, you know the the dark and decrepit setting of the game the sense of exploration and discovering new areas or being able to, to you know in Dark Souls you you could watch something in a distance 
and eventually you could get to it, you could reach it. And uh, I was really amazed by it. Obviously, I was ultra spoiled by walkthroughs because the game is, you know, it's 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 damn hard beat. Um, and uh, people usually fall in the trap and read lots and lots of guides or which armor is better, which sword is sharper, and um, which path is easier. Uh, but I think that an unspoiled, uh, clean slate playthrough of Dark Souls would be really, really fun for me again to do. I am really surprised that that is the first time that that game has come up in this question. Yeah. Uh, because that's that's one where you constantly hear uh, that that's kind of what makes uh, those kinds of games, and especially that genre, is that, that first that first set of getting to kind of, you know, like, make your way through everything. Um, so, yeah, that, excellent answer. Excellent answer. Uh, final question, uh, and this one goes a bit out there, um, but at the end of our lives, when we come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom, uh, and Toad is there to greet us with the Book of Our Deeds, um, what would you like him to say to you before he lets you in? Well, I would like him to say to me that uh, hopefully I will have left behind uh, maybe offsprings or other people uh, which uh, um, saw some good things in me and tried to pass them on to other people. Uh, essentially, I would like uh, Todd, as you said, to congratulate me uh, for having influenced other people towards the better. Um, it's no use uh, just being a good guy or a quiet guy uh, if you can't pass something of your goodness to others. And I think that in the long term, this is the closest we can get to achieving immortality. If some good aspects of us uh, keep on living in other human beings, um, I think that we'll uh, we'll have to do we, we will have to deal uh, you know carry on uh, with that for the following years. Um, that's the best we can do for now, I think. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Emilios, uh, we've come to the end of the end game. Uh, you've done it. You've uh, successfully passed uh, whatever crazy test this was. Um, I'd love to tell you that there is a prize. Um, that there was hope at the end of this apocalypse. Um, however, uh, we've got nothing left but for Jonathan to take us home. <laughs> well, Emilius, thank you so much for uh, for joining us and talking about Emerge. Um, sorry for all of the uh, the Skype issues that we've had, but thank you for being a trooper and making it all the way through to the end. If you could send us out by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out more information about your game. Sure. Uh, thanks a lot for having me. The pleasure was all mine. And uh, I wish all the best to your future interviews and to your lives. Thank you. And uh, wh where can people find Emerge? Uh, Emerge will be published uh, on April 27 uh, on Steam. So they can find it on Steam and hopefully other places like Itch. Uh, or um, I just received actually an email from Humble Bundle. So 
let's say Steam for for the time being, and we will see about about other places later. Awesome. Well, thank you once again, and uh, good luck as you can f- continue to live out your dream and make video games, and hopefully, uh, hopefully this uh, step forward is uh, as hopeful as it seems to be right now. Good luck. 